Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is Wood Turner, Project Director of Climate Counts, speaking about activating the choices and voices of the climate-conscious consumer. Uh, I'm Dan Esty, Director of the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. I'm also co-director of the Yale Center for Business and the Environment. And it's a great pleasure to welcome you here today. And uh, even more importantly, to welcome Wood Turner, who is the Project Director of Climate Counts. And this is an organization funded by Stonyfield Farms that scores companies based on their efforts to address climate change, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, etc. So Wood brings a very interesting background to this. He's obviously been at it for several years now, or almost two years. But he had, prior to that, uh, a fairly long decade-plus career in advertising and communications uh, based in Seattle. So he really brings an eye for how to get to the public. And as you'll hear, that's really the, the focus of what he's um, interested in doing with Climate Counts. Uh, in his prior life, he's not only advised clients on how to reach the public and on advertising and communications, but helped launch an e-magazine focused on innovations in the business, individual, and group worlds. And he's also spent a good bit of time trying to understand how to construct metrics of performance here. So this is really a very important activity and one that some of you will know the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy is also very focused on with our Environmental Performance Index that ranks countries on their performance against a set of metrics from both pollution control and natural resource management. Um, we're going to have uh, Wood run for a period of time and uh, then answer questions. Uh, please note the uh, information on the wall here, which is to say we are going to um, record this and uh, we ask you when you're asking questions to use the microphone. And uh, we are uh, taking your presence here as consent to be recorded and to be webcast. If anyone has a problem with that, it's probably a good time to go. Um, uh, without any further ado, let me then say, Wood, please uh, step up. And we look forward to your thoughts and comments on choices and voices activating the climate-conscious consumer. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, I, I'm glad you mentioned that I was in Seattle until I moved to New England. I'm in New Hampshire now. Uh, I moved from Seattle about nine months ago. And uh, I keep getting questions all winter long about people saying, aren't you so glad you're not in, in the wet Seattle winter right now? And I, and I say, ask me the next time I'm out digging out my driveway exactly how I feel about that, and I'll give you the unedited version. It's been a, it's been a cold, snowy winter up in New Hampshire, that's for sure. It's a nice day today, though. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, uh, it's always great to be, uh, be able to speak to, uh, to folks on, on college campuses. I think there's so much great work going on in places like Yale, and uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I'm going to try to, I haven't, I haven't practiced with this, uh, with, with this yet, so I'm just going to kind of bear with me here for a second. Um, you, uh, I don't know how many of you have heard of, heard of Climate Counts, uh, but we're a relatively new organization. Um, I started, started working on the project in, uh, in late 2006 and have been running ever since, it seems. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about sort of how we got to today. Um, we, you know, this, this really is a, an incredibly, uh, it's, it's a seminal moment when it comes to, to climate. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, Sonyfield Farms CEO, uh, Gary Hirschberg, pulled together a group of, of folks that he had knew well who were focused on climate and other environmental issues. And, uh, and said, why can't we do the same thing uh, in the 21st century that, 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 clim that, that activists in the, in the late 20th century did uh, on, on the anti-apartheid issue? I mean, the, the, the divestment movement in the 70s and 80s literally, literally changed the world. It rocked the world. Consumers and other stakeholders, uh, activists, uh, uh, students uh, from all over the world, uh, all over this country uh, came together and said we're not going to do business with, with, with companies that are continuing to engage in South Africa. And as a result, the business communities got its act together and, and, and ground that, uh, that regime, that racist regime, to a halt. As a model, we look at, that, at, at that, that success as exactly what we're trying to do with climate. We're trying to, to, to get uh, consumers to send a message to companies to say we're not going to continue to stand for uh, you not taking this issue seriously. What are we? Um, we're, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, we engage stakeholders in the business community in an effort to, to tackle climate change. What the, the, 
A better way of saying that is we're trying to bring consumers and companies together in the fight against climate change. We're trying to build, build a really unique collaboration between companies and, and, and consumers. We annually score companies on their voluntary efforts uh, uh, to, to help consumers and investors identify sort of the difference between companies that are leading in their sectors and lagging in their sectors. Uh, we look at parent company or enterprise level assessment of, of climate action. Uh, it's a measure of intent uh, at the corporate level. So it's not, and I'll talk about this more later, it's not about, uh, we're, not, we're not looking at which companies have the most green products on the market. We're actually looking at which companies have articulated and are implementing a clear climate strategy across all their products and all their brands. Um, and then I, we absolutely see our tool, the tool that we've developed is a, as a transit map, um, and definitely not a road map, a transit map, of course, uh, for, for, for companies to, uh, to improve their performance over time, and I'll tell you more about that as we go. What are we not? I mentioned that we're not a product carbon intensity label. Um, there's other organizations that are doing that well. They're choosing that approach, and, uh, and, and I applaud them for it. Uh, there's a few reasons why we don't do that, and we can talk about that, and I'd be interested to hear your perspectives on that, as co of course. Um, we're not an absolute measure of, climate, um, of corporate climate footprint. So in other words, we're not looking at companies that are the greenest in their sectors. The, 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 the 100 companies, for example, that self-identify as being green. Uh, we're looking at companies that do have very large footprints that are, that are, that are t setting goals and targets to reduce those footprints. By the way, that reminds me, back on the back table, just when, after, after the talk, um, there's a, we, our, our, our pocket consumer guy, which I'll talk about, is available back on the back table, and I hope I don't have to take any of them back to New Hampshire with me. Uh, take as many as you want and share them with anybody that, you, that you'd like to. And also, I brought a few, a few, a few, uh, few T-shirts as well, uh, and I, I'd encourage you to take one. Uh, an organic T-shirt made from water-based inks, just, just so you know. Um, um, uh, so um, we're... We, we are not a business uh, NGO partnership. We don't go out to the companies that we've scored, for example, and say, hey, we've got, we've got something we want to do with you here. We, we come up with a list of companies that we, that we score, and we score them uh, regardless of their engagement with us or not, and come up with a, a score and a rank for them. We're certainly not a greenwashing tool for business, and this is something that you know, I, I'm steadfast about. Uh, I, I've, I've learned a lot in the last uh, 12 or 15 months as we've, as we've sort of gone public with our, with our work that Companies are very sophisticated when it comes to their, their tendency to, to greenwash, and, and, and it, it sort of takes all the effort that you can as an organization like ours to kind of uh, to, to stand your ground to make sure that they don't, they don't misuse your information. And then we're not perfect. Uh, we build a living tool. We build a living scorecard that I'll take you through um, to evaluate companies, and we see it as something that we are going to have to continually refine year after year after year as we score companies because this issue is going to change. The quality of conversation that we can have today about climate change and corporate responsibility for climate change is very different than it was a year ago, very different than it was two years ago, and we think that's obviously going to change as we continue to do our work and other organizations continue to do their work. Uh, we're going to have to sort of make sure that our tool is sort of keeping up with the times. Our point of view is that the issue demands urgency. We don't have time to... to sort of ruminate on various strategies for dealing with climate change. We need to, we need to get out on, on the ground and, and, and put solutions in, in, in action. Uh, so we developed a tool, developed a scorecard, began scoring companies, and are, and are actively scoring companies in what some might consider a very short amount of time, but we feel like it's important to sort of stimulate the conversation and get it going now. Uh, we think the issue needs consumer and corporate cooperation. There's no reason for corporations to deflect attention on consumers. Consumers can't just sit back and assume that companies are going to do, uh, are going to take action without them. Uh, we've taken a strongly pro-business approach. We want businesses to improve their scores. So our, when we score companies, we're, we're as much focused on the carrot as the stick. We want to make sure that consumers know that companies are, are which companies are dragging their heels, but it's very important that companies know that there's a there's a feel that there's a reason to continue to improve their score. Um, we, we, we think we have, we're a solid yardstick for helping consumers understand the differences between companies, but that, but that, our, that our scorecard is general enough, not, not prescriptive, um, so that companies can look at uh, their, their, their climate footprint, their climate profile, and um, uh, uh, innovate, can, 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 can take climate action that works well for their, for their business. Um, we, we also believe that companies that, that align themselves with values, not just tastes and preferences, 
that align themselves with the values of consumers, um, they, can, they can solidify a, a really strong uh, brand of loyalty with their consumers. It's very much like the, the Stonyfield model. If you know Stonyfield Farm, for 25 years, the, the company's been very, very focused on, on environmental concerns, uh, steadfast. Uh, that, that, that there, wasn't, there wasn't gonna be a business without, without, a, without a commitment to those values, and over time, consumers have an expectation of what Stonyfield stands for, and the, the relationship that Stonyfield enjoys with its consumers uh, I think many companies would, 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 would love to have. Why have we chosen the consumer? Why aren't we trying to do what other NGOs, other advocacy organizations have done on the climate issue to motivate kind of a, a, a standard suite of, 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 of lifestyle changes or behavior change? Um, we, consumers have power. Um, and, and the companies that they, that they engage with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis are not going away anytime soon. If you look at my pocket guide, there's a few companies that are on the on the ropes <laughs> that we've scored so far um, that we they're they're getting a lot of media attention these days. Um, but in general, companies are not going to go away, uh, and as a result, they need to hear from consumers um, to 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 that, that that climate and other issues related to the environment matter to them. We believe that the traditional environmental community is simply not big enough. And depending on what you hear, who who the environmental community is, how big, how small it is, who's considering when they vote, who's considering it when they shop, it's a fairly small group of people. Um, and so we're trying to go beyond that traditional environmental community. Um, we we also believe that not all mainstream consumers are going to do the are going to take the actions that um, that environmental organizations have typically asked them to take. So. You know, buying hybrids, taking transit, um, buying local, giving money to nonprofits, um, uh, attending rallies, sending letters to mayors and congresspeople. Those those are levels of, levels of engagement that many people just simply don't don't do. They 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 can't do it, don't do it, won't do it, don't self-identify as activists for whatever reason. And uh, and so to continue to ask people to do those things, we feel like is a is a is a short-sighted approach to moving 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 forward on this. And we also believe that consumers are incredibly busy, overwhelmed, uh, and need uh, real help in making sense quickly about what's actually happening in the corporate realm on climate. So we build our project as a proxy for the average consumer. Um, if John or Jane Coop Public wanted to know today what company A or company B is doing on climate, what would they, what would they, what would they use? What would they score? How, what, what information would they access? Um, uh, what, what, you know, how can we represent, in other words, um, the, a, a consumer motivation to go out and find information on different companies and evaluate them um, using some, some fairly straightforward criteria. We're at an extraordinary tipping point on this issue, and you all know this. <laughs> Consider the fact that even outside of the organic dairy space that Stonyfield so strongly occupies, every, every dairy producer is out there trying to label their product hormone-free or antibiotic-free. Um, uh, we hear there's bloggers out there on, on the internet gossiping about how they go to dinner parties and check to make sure that they're at a house that uh, their friends are, have swapped out their, their light bulbs for their, their incandescents for CFLs. I mean, this is, this is happening. Um, in the New York Times a few weeks ago, uh, there was a, a great piece on just shifts in the suburban landscape, suburban mentalities about, you know, what have traditionally been kind of pejoratively called McMansions and how people who... Uh, people are beginning to recognize that the resources that go into that lifestyle uh, are too great, are, are, are too, too, too significant these days uh, to not just continue to sort of do the, to, to take, to, to live the way that we've, that we've been living. So the, the focus on these issues is, uh, is, is changing. Like I said, the quality of conversation that we can have today is so different than it was two years ago, five years ago, and that's going to continue to accelerate. I call our campaign a Choices and Voices campaign. We've scored and ranked 60 companies in nine major consumer sectors, and what we use is publicly available information uh, on each of these companies to score them. Um, that's a whole range of self-reported information, CSR reports, sustainability reports, annual reports. Uh, it's also credible third-party data, the Carbon Disclosure Project, uh, EPA climate leaders, other NGO projects that are uh, help prevent, provide information on goal setting, on, um, on achieved reductions and so on that we use to score companies. Um, we're targeting um, 16 to 24 year old students primarily as well as a 25 to 55 year old uh, head of household, largely female. Now 
the branding professional in me knows that what I just said is completely out of whack. You don't have two audiences. There's no way you'd ever have two audiences. You, you pick an audience and you focus on it. But we recognize that there's, a, there's, there's different ways to reach these two audiences and different reasons to reach these two different audiences. Um, um, both of them, you know, when you look at the, when you look at the 16 to 24 year old set, uh, it's the first time uh, people are at a point where they actually have some money to spend, they begin to get into consumer habits. On the, from the 25 to 55 year old set, uh, there's a lot of peer influence, there's a lot of family influence. Uh, these are p the people who are responsible for most household purchases. Uh, so we, we are, we, we, there's a, we, we, we do think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reasonable approach to think about these two audiences. Choices and voices. We want these consumers to make better choices when they buy and invest, when they spend their money. Make more climate conscious choices when they buy and invest. That's not, that's not all. We want them to take the next step and raise their voice to these companies to let them know that they are paying attention to their climate scores, to their climate count scores, to their climate performance. So it's really a one-two punch. Um, we're a small organization. It's going to take a while before enough people are, are clearly buying, buying from climate conscious companies uh, that it's going to be clear in the marketplace that that's actually what's going on. So, we've, so that, that's why we have a tool on our website called Raise Your Voice that enables you to send that message to companies. Um, some of you know that, you know, it, you, you may think that, you know, it takes hundreds of thousands of emails or letters for companies to actually pay attention to issues. But there's another thing that I've learned from Stonyfield. Um, at the level of tens of dozens of, of emails, um, when there's an issue that, it, that concerns even a small number of consumers, it absolutely re reaches the, the CEO. It absolutely reaches the board. And so, you know, even at that low level, even if that, that, that small number of, 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 of voices being raised, we think can get the attention of, of, of the biggest companies in the world. Um, which companies and sectors did we score to start? Uh, we picked major consumer sectors associated with many common purchasing decisions. Uh, we picked sectors that presented opportunities for early engagement uh, with the target audiences that we chose. Uh, they're primarily public companies, although there are a few private companies as well. They're the highest revenue earners in each of the sectors, so the biggest companies in their sectors. And they're well-known brands where reputation um, drives sales. All of you know that reputation is everything, and I throw, that, I throw the slide up there of, the new, of new Coke just to kind of get you thinking about that a little bit. Causes are certainly major catalysts for reputation management. Think about South Africa and anti-apartheid, you think about Darfur, you think about child labor issues, uh, but it's not, the only kind of, it's not the only example that we see of companies trying to manage their reputations. In the case of New Coke, uh, you know, they thought they had this great idea. They thought they had this great idea they were going to transform the marketplace in 1985 with this new flavor, um, but the, they never imagined the onslaught of public protests and boy, threats of boycotts, even a threat of a lawsuit that would come up from, from consumers and shareholders about uh, that choice. So three months after, the original, um, after, the, after they introduced it, um, uh, it, the original recipe, the classic recipe, was back on the shelves. Um, similarly, on the reputation side, labor issues continue to dog many, many companies that you all know well. Um, a major shoe manufacturer that we've scored um, uh, had... Uh, in the 70s and 80s, was getting hammered because of its uh, because of its sweatshop uh, because of its sweatshop and, and child labor policies uh, in Southeast Asia. Um, and uh, even today, even though many people within that within that sector within that realm understand that uh, w w might might recognize might identify the fact that that company is sort of leading the charge in, in many ways on, on on labor issues now, it still is saddled with. Uh, that reputation, that, that ding that it took years ago uh, because, of, because of its policies years ago. Um, so it, it brings up a lot of questions, though, what we're, what we're, what we're doing here. Um, why, why are we looking at the largest companies? Why, why are we not looking at the greenest companies? Why are we asking consumers to, to why aren't we asking consumers to buy local or buy regional? Uh, why are we looking at consumer choices? I mean, isn't overconsumption the problem? Sure. I mean, I, I think our project would absolutely say that you know that one of the first things you can do as a as a as a climate activist is to consume less, is to is to not not necessarily think about which products or companies you buy from, but to decide whether you need to buy those products in the first place. 100%. But it gets back to what I said about trying to make this issue 
accessible to mainstream audiences. We do, we do live in a consumer marketplace. We are trying, I mean, people do make consumer choices every single day, every single week, every single month. Uh, many of those choices they can't avoid. Uh, and so we want to, uh, to, to make sure that they know that even in those cases, they have an opportunity to, um, uh, to take an action that, can be, that they can identify as a climate action. But all the, my answer to all these questions, in a nutshell, why we've, chose, why we've done this is that it's, uh, why we've chosen the approach we've taken is because it's all, it's all about scale. It's all about how many people, how much, how much of an impact we can have in as short amount of time as we possibly can. Um, the, the stat that I keep in my mind all the time, and, and, uh, and, and, and I would encourage you to think about it as well, if the world's 100 largest companies reduced their greenhouse gas emissions by just 5%, it'd be like taking 25 million cars off the road. Another way to think about this is if the Fortune 500 uh, all reduced their greenhouse gas emissions by 5%, we'd be, half the way, we'd be half the way toward Kyoto goals. So at that level, at the level of the largest company, we can have a tremendous impact on this issue. We can, we can work hard to try to get people to buy local, buy from green companies, but we're we're, we're never going to have the same, we're never going to have the same impact in a shorter period of time as we can have if we, if we apply pressure to these largest companies. These are the largest companies. These have tremendous carbon footprints, tremendous climate, climate impacts. Uh, and we need, to, we need to send a strong message to them that in, even in small numbers, um, they, can, they can have an impact on this issue in a way that we've never really seen so far. What sectors did we score? Um, what sectors did we score in our first round? The apparel sector, the internet software sector, the media sector, electronics, consumer shipping, food products, food services. We've done the beer sector, uh, household products. So you can see how, these, how each of these sectors sort of applies in different ways to that 16 to 24-year-old set and that 25 to 55-year-old set. We're in the process of adding some other sectors to the mix. We're going to be beginning another round of scoring uh, in the next couple months uh, with, with plans to re release those scores uh, at the end of the summer, early fall. Uh, but our point in looking at these particular sectors, and some of those sectors may include uh, the energy sector, may include the car, the auto sector, but we wanted to demonstrate that this issue is it's about more than just those energy companies, more than about those car companies. All of these companies in each of these sectors has an impact on, on climate. Uh, where is the climate impact on these companies? You all know. They use tremendous amounts of energy. They have tremendous transportation networks. They use, they generate huge amounts of waste, and they have large supply chains. So all those issues come together to create uh, the impacts that make a company have a large climate footprint. Our first scores, what do they, what do they suggest? Um, we, we, you know, it's easy to think that when you score the largest companies in a sector, when you, when you score Coke and Pepsi, for example, there's no way that Coke and Pepsi would look different uh, on climate. They've got to be about the same. They, they taste about the same, right? They've got to be about the same on climate. Well. Our, our research shows this, that even at that level, companies simply don't look the same when it comes to, comes to climate. There are clear choices, and it, it does require going well beyond marketing campaigns, more than just sort of the skin-deep level, to, to look and see what these companies are doing in, inside. And, and so that's, that's the onus that's on our project, to really uh, take a, a, an analytical approach to assessing uh, the quality of, of, of what the, the quality of reporting and, and, and the, the, the measurable actions that we can that we can we can identify in the work that we 're seeing from from these from these companies so that's that 's really what we 're focused on. Uh, consumers are incredibly emotional when it comes to the uh, to learning something about the companies that they love um, you know there 's many companies on our list that have incredibly um, emotional relationships with their consumers, and I hear from them every day. They say, how can you tell me that my company, that company that I love so much, is doing so badly on climate? And, uh, and my, my response is always, they are, and, 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 and join with us and send a message to, that, to those companies to let them know. Um, let them know that you care as much about what they're doing on climate as you do about how their product feels in your hand or what it tastes like. Um, and then companies, I think, are ready to, what we're learning is that companies seem to be ready to take climate change seriously, uh, maybe even more so than consumers. I don't know, I'm not sure why that is. I mean, part of it is probably because they're managing risk. Um, these companies have a lot to lose when it comes to climate. Um, um, they are managing reputation, certainly. They've, they've, they've recognized that there's tremendous money to be saved or, 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 uh, from, from 
very basic climate uh, and energy efficiency policies. Um, and they can and should influence consumers. And when you think about it, uh, people have deeper relationships in many ways to the brands that they know and love than they do to political candidates. I mean, these, these companies have a tremendous influence. I, I, I was asked the other day when I presented this, sort of where, what, what examples do I know of, 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 of places where, examples where companies in, in many ways um, sort of led the charge when it came to the marketplace. I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, but I think about sort of the, 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 the the proliferation of, of cell phones over the last few years as being almost a classic example of, of a market just being sort of created in some ways. I mean, all of a sudden we all felt like we had to have, had to have cell phones and there was a period of time when that just simply wasn't the case. Also on the, on the, on the, when you look at, when you look at, uh, you look, you look at the airbag innovations in vehicles. I mean, that was that was something that, in some ways, felt a little bit like it was d directed by the company. Certainly directed by the regulatory, direct, by, the, by the regulatory um, realm. But 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 companies push that uh, push that 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 an, an innovation at consumers so much so that consumers can't imagine buying cars now they don't have airbags. Um, so what is the Climate Counts Company scorecard that I've been talking about? It's a zero to one hundred point scale. Um, we have 20, we developed 22 criteria, we, 22 metrics uh, within four major benchmarks that try to evaluate uh, company, a company's voluntary efforts, its intent uh, to reduce its carbon, its climate footprint. Uh, and those four benchmarks are whether the company has reviewed or measured its greenhouse gas emissions. So, uh, that, and that, what, what, we, what we try to look at is whatever extent a company has, has, has tried to measure, uh, whether it be its North American operations, its European operations, or its global operations, whether it be its uh, direct emissions, its scope one and scope two emissions, whether, it, whether they've gone as far as uh, tracking their scope three emissions, all their indirect emissions across all their global operations, our scorecard enables us to, to we, our, the guideposts in our scorecard enable us to, to, to apply a different score for a different company based on where they stand on their measurement. Second, and the, the numbers that you see there are the, the, the weighting. So um, you, there's 22 out of 100 points uh, fall into that review, uh, that review category. Um, the second is reducing emissions. What, what, companies, what, what have companies done to uh, set goals and targets to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions? And this is obviously the, the, the heart of the matter when it comes to climate. Um, so we're looking at um, whether companies have set goals, what the, what the magnitude of their goal, what the, um, what, what the strength of their baseline year is in terms of their goal setting, uh, what they've done to uh, d develop climate strategies that um, uh, have the buy-in of the sea level and board level at, at, at their companies, what they've done to influence suppliers, employers, employees, uh, consumers, <clears throat> excuse me, consumers on their climate efforts. Um, a whole range of issues that sort of factor into what companies do on, on, on reducing. Another important thing that we look at in the re reduction category is we, we, we attempt to, to provide credit or, or score companies uh, give, give companies more points who have been engaged in this issue for a lot longer. There are many early actors. One of those is that shoe company that I talked about earlier. They may not have been doing as much work on labor issues for, for a long time, but they've been laser focused on climate for, a, for many, many years, a lot longer than uh, some, of the, some of the companies that have sort of come to the table in the last couple of years. Another uh, benchmark is whether a company has taken an up or down policy stance on local, state, or federal climate initiatives. Um, um, whether, whether a company, in other words, supports federal level mandates and greenhouse gas emissions. Um, reductions. And then finally, and really importantly for climate counts, is whether the companies have reported on all these climate activities to consumers and other stakeholders. You know, I'm happy to hear a company tell me in confidence that they're working on climate issues, but they're just not, they're keeping their cards close to their chest, not really engaging with consumers on it, on the issue. But, um, but as far as we're concerned, that's, that's counterproductive in a market dynamic that needs consumers and companies working together on this issue. Um, so what does it mean when we, you know, we, we always say we're looking at, we, we're trying to measure whether companies are, are taking climate change seriously. Um, what, do, what do we think it means? We think it means company-wide commitment versus just green products. We think it's about that shared responsibility between consumers and companies. Uh, it's about intent, uh, measurement and goal setting are key. And it's about a willingness to lead, like, like I just said about that reporting issue. Companies that have that are reporting on all their activities and reaching out to consumers and stakeholders, shareholders in, in, in increasingly uh, uh, substantive ways are, are leading the charge on this issue. They're taking responsibility for that relationship that, they, that they've built over many, many years with consumers and they're, and they're reframing it. This is the scorecard. I, just, I throw that slide up just to show you that it's involved. 
I'll break it down for you. Uh, this is the review uh, benchmark. Um, we look at whether inventory, an inventory has been, been completed, sort of the quality of the, the calculator that a company's used, uh, whether it's reviewed all Kyoto, Kyoto gases, whether they're doing inventories on an, on an annual basis, or whether they've just done one and they're just going to rest, rest on those laurels until they get, get pressure to do another inventory. Um, the reduction category, clear goal setting, baseline years, um, management planning, uh, top-level support, uh, actual reported reductions, and this is going to become increasingly important for us in measuring intent. We recognize that we're taking, in many cases, companies, the company's word for it, or the take, taking, the, taking the word of credible third parties about what these companies are doing on climate. Um, it'll be very important for us to track on an annual basis whether those statements in, in 2006 uh, translate into real action in 2007 or 2008, and that's going to, over time, have a real impact, I think, on the, the way the, the, the companies stack up in our, in our rankings. The policy stance question, which I talked about, whether a company supports mandates or not, mandated reductions or not, um, and then uh, an, an effort to look at uh, reporting, whether the company has, uh, has publicly reported on all, those, all, all its activities and is breaking out all of its emissions in very detailed ways. Um, so I'm going to go back to that co the companies versus uh, products question. Um, so people always say to me, you know, isn't it? I remember one. I remember I was in Seattle and, and Dennis Hayes, who was the the uh, the founder of of, of Earth Day. Uh, I met with him and was telling about the project, and he said, "Isn't what really matters um, that people buy greener products?" Um, and 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 it's sort of been I've been hearing that. <laughs> over the months, over the over the months since then, uh, in, in a number of different ways, I certainly would support buying green products. Don't get me wrong, um, but I do know that what these companies know how to do well, uh, it may, they may not be good at tracking climate action, but they do know how to segment their market. They do know how to. They do know what. They do know how to to, to if you will, understand what consumers want. So today, uh, we may, depending on what research you're looking at. You may, we may say that 2% of the marketplace or 10% of the marketplace or 18% or 25%, sometimes, sometimes I hear numbers in the 30s that suggest that people, people, people are increasingly wanting to buy green products. Uh, it's really penetrating the mainstream market. But I think when you look at it at that level, when you look at it at the product level, if it, even if it is at a 2% level or a 10% level or an 18% level, that company can, um, can ensure that that particular consumer, that, that particular percentage of consumers, can access a plenty of green products while still making sure that the rest of, the, the rest of their consumers, the rest of their, uh, the folks who are buying their products, access other products that don't, have, that don't have the same green profile. So I get a little cynical when it comes to green products because I think you know, I may want to buy a green product, but the other consumer who hasn't necessarily said they wanted to buy a green product can, is, is still going to be able to buy products that don't have the same, um, the same green profile that, that the products I might want to buy are. So I, I, think that's a, I think that's a problem, I think, with the way we think about green products. I also think that green products are, um, we're being encouraged to buy green products almost as a matter of conspicuous consumption. Can we you know, let's show people, let's show everyone how green we can be by buying more products. But the reality is, we're buying more products. So if I buy a more, if I buy a greener, if I buy a green, uh, green personal computer, uh, or a green car, uh, yeah, maybe I'm reducing my impact. But I'm, I'm also, um, um, uh, I, you know, I, in some ways, greening green products has become another way of looking at planned obsolescence. Uh, you know, we're, we're phasing out. Phasing out products that are a little less green, so that we can buy the next greener product, and we've and we've we've still used a huge amount of energy and have a lot of waste involved in in getting rid of the older products. And there's a lot of different ways of looking at that. But and also, I also wonder too if if it's a if 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 green products are, are this example of companies deflecting the, the 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 responsibility back on consumers as opposed to taking responsibility themselves. They're saying to you that what matters to you is the impact that you have on the, on the environment or on the climate, not necessarily what we're doing to sort of give you, to deliver that product to you. I don't necessarily think the two have to be sort of mutually exclusive, but I think we see that in some cases. And the electronic sector, I mentioned that. I mean, there's a UN University study that suggests that 50 to 80 percent of the impact of, an of, a, of a personal computer occurs before the product is purchased. So it suggests that the companies that produce those products need to have, need to be thinking much more than just 
sort of that use phase. Think about much more than just that use phase. Uh, and, and, and obviously many companies argue with this. Many companies believe that it's, it's, really, about, uh, it's really about you. Um, um, Dan uh, had a piece in the Harvard Business Review back in the fall that shed some light on this issue and, and the fact that uh, he, he mentioned us by name and talked about the relationship, uh, the, the fact that uh, uh, Apple, uh, Apple is not, not done nearly enough when it comes to sort of engaging with uh, being transparent about its environmental policies, its environmental practices, its, its climate practices as it should. And, and our scores actually reflected that. Um, we didn't set out to target Apple, I'll have you know. I mean, I, I would love nothing more than for Apple to be at the top of our the top of our rankings, but they're simply not doing what other companies in their sector are doing when it comes to tracking their company-wide greenhouse gas emissions and setting goals and targets to reduce those greenhouse gas emissions. And this issue on Apple in particular has sort of come up in many, many ways. There was a piece in the Huffington Post a few weeks back with the, with the provocative title Apple, Al's gory mess, and it was talking about sort of the same the same issue, Al Gore being on the on the board of Apple and, and, and not applying nearly enough pressure as a member of the board to this company and sort of having it having it reflect um, having it be a real leader in the marketplace when it comes to when it comes to the environment. There was a piece in the New Yorker a couple of weeks ago. We were in the piece until the day before it went to press actually, uh, saying something similarly similar about this Apple issue. Um, I show you something down in the in the right hand corner there. Um, we were at a conference in New York uh, in early February called Greener Gadgets, uh, and we're making the, try, trying to express this point of view that I'm talking about, about companies not necessarily being only focused on greener gadgets and you, but focused on the, the energy and the environmental impact that goes into the, to the development of those pro products. So it's an interesting conversation that's, <clears throat> that's beginning to sort of heat up a little bit. It's becoming kind of interesting out there. And, uh, I know there's some interesting voices that are going to be speaking uh, at the Apple shareholders meeting tomorrow on on on, the, on these issues um, that we're talking about. Um, if you've grabbed a pocket guide from the back, this is a this is an image. Uh, we talked about sort of how we're messaging this to consumers. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give consumers every single one of our of our scorecards for each of the companies. You can grab them off our website. All of our all of our information is, is available on the website, uh, but we wanted to make it something that consumers could sort of quickly recognize who was leading in a sector, who was kind of in the middle tier, and who was behind. And so we came up with that, that's the stoplight iconography, this, this stuck uh, starting and striding as being kind of the, the continuum that we're trying to sort of move, move companies along. And you can see uh, how, how companies generally stack up to each other in our pocket guide. This pocket guide is really important because I don't believe for a minute, and I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll sort of contradict myself in a minute when I start talking about web traffic, but I don't think we're ever going to be a, a, a destination site on the web. People, aren't, people just simply aren't going to go. We're, we're, we're not all so sophisticated and so discerning as consumers that we're going to go to a climatecounts.org website before we go shopping. It's just not going to happen. So we have to be out speaking about our project and about our, our, about our rankings everywhere that we possibly can. That's why we built the pocket guide. It's downloadable. Um, you, we, we, we've, we've connected with consumers in many, many different ways. We have the printed copies where we send out box loads of these to, to college campuses every, every week. Uh, student groups on campuses want to distribute them to other students all the time, which is fantastic. Uh, but it was modeled after the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch program. Some of you may know about that, uh, which uh, tracks um, in, on a regional basis, whether uh, you know which, what are the most responsible seafood purchases that you could be making in your region, um, and it's been very successful. And I think what's interesting about it as a social marketing tool is that they the distribution of that that pocket guide is at the cash register at at, at public aquariums. When you go to Go to go to pay money to go see these 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 incredible creatures. You can grab a copy of a of a of a, of a seafood watch guide at that point of purchase, so that you're sort of connecting issues. You're 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 obviously going to support the conservation of the oceans by going to the aquarium. Um, that 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 consumer choice is also a, an example of that kind of conservation. So um, that was not lost on us as we were sort of thinking about how we wanted to put this tool into consumers' hands. And I hope there's tattered copies of that pocket guide in wallets all over the country right now. I really do. Um, I, I, I throw this slide up because I just wanted to show you how the media has begun to sort of catch on to the, the language that we're using. I mentioned start, uh, stuck starting striding. Um, there was a piece in, in January in, the, in, in the Crane Chicago business about the food product sector, and in particular uh, Kraft and Sarah Lee were called out uh, for, their, for their actions on climate or not. 
Um, and this was the graphic that was in the piece. <laughs> it was really exciting to see, actually, in a, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a mainstream business publication. Um, our, our scores, our, our nomenclature, uh, our ideas uh, presented in this way. Uh, and it was, it was interesting as well to see it in that trade context because um, it begins to show that what, what these rankings really do is... Is, is, is hit companies where it hurts. They, they know how to compete. They're very competitive by nature, and this is another way um, that we sort of put, put companies in the tank together, if you will, and have them sort of duke it out to see who's actually leading on climate, and I think that's a, a good way of doing it. Uh, we got a quote from the, someone at Sara Lee who, who acknowledged our project in the piece and said that they're working to improve their score, which was fantastic. We've gotten major media attention. Uh, we launched in June of 07, uh, June 19th, uh, which was six days before my son was born. So that was a that was a busy week. Um, <laughs> um, uh, we had a piece in the New York Times. Um, and we, we were covering the Wall Street Journal and CNN, um, BBC, um, NPR. Everybody that we wanted to have cover the story uh, covered in some way, and then I mentioned the Harvard Business Review piece and a lot of other things that have happened. We were, had two pieces in The Economist in January that mentioned us. Um, we've, uh, we've, we've been all over the blog, the blog world, um, many, many conversations that are happening kind of in a trade context. A lot of the high-tech companies, uh, high-tech publications have talked about the, the Apple score, for example, and some of the other high-tech companies. So it's the... the when, when, you, when your approach, like ours, is really focused on field marketing and, um, and media and not advertising, for example, it's really exciting to see the kind of validation that we've seen from media who recognize this as an interesting story and something that really does deserve uh, the attention of consumers. Um, so how are we activating consumers besides that, that sort of media outreach? I mentioned the website, all of our scores and rankings, the company profiles are on the website, every company has a page on our website. Um, we have that raise your voice tool um, uh, that allows you to click it and send it. We, we pre-populate a form that allows you to either use the letter that we've written for you or you can change the letter and send that letter directly onto these companies. And we are seeing companies actually, interestingly enough, um, let, let us know, hey, we've been getting a lot of emails through your site. Sometimes they say things like, we're getting a lot of nasty emails through your site. Um, I hope they're not that terribly nasty. I hope they're, uh, they're, 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 they're motivating. That's the main idea. We've aligned ourselves with mainstream mu musicians. We actually did 25 dates in 14 states with the Dave Matthews Band Tour last summer, handing out pocket guides to folks coming into those, uh, coming into those concerts all over the country. And the idea there was, you know, these are, this is a band that's very engaged on social issues. Uh, in some ways, the connection there between that band and its, uh, and its fans is similar. And so we like the fact that a band will be able to say on its email or say on its website they support Climate Counts, endorse Climate Counts on some level, uh, and encourage their fans to check out our website. We're going to be doing a similar tour with, the Jack, with Jack Johnson this summer. Um, and I think that's going to be even more interesting, more exciting than the Dave Matthews Band outreach last summer because it, this, the, the entire tour uh, for Jack Johnson is, 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 is environmentally focused. Um, we're doing work with on and offline retailers. Um, we are building some partnerships with some green e-commerce sites that want to represent, want, want to put our bug or put our, put our label, if you will, uh, beside products made by companies that we've scored so that when you're buying a Canon camera, for example, you might see uh, alongside that, that product information on a website, uh, that product uh, was made by a company that was scored by a company that did, that did fairly well on the Climate Counts rankings. Um, and the same is true in, in, in the offline context. We, have, uh, we, we, we send out our pocket guides. We have uh, in-store displays that we send out to, uh, uh, to uh, small grocery stores, uh, small uh, green retailers who want to uh, make sure that their consumers get access to our pocket guides. We have a, an interesting tool called Climate Counts on the Go. Uh, this is, again, that 16 to 24-year-old set, which definitely would not include me. Um, um, it's, a, it's a tool where you can actually text uh, the name of a company to your cell phone and get the company's Climate Counts ranking back in real time. And we're thinking about a lot of different ways to sort of build that out and sort of make that more, more useful and more connect better with our Facebook presence and our MySpace presence and other things we're, we're doing. One thing I'm really excited about is we're relaunching our website uh, in, in April, and soon after we, we relaunch, we're going to have a tool on our site that allows you to score your own shopping cart, so you can actually get a Climate Count score for your 10 most recent purchases. So you'll be able to, to check a box and say, I bought, I bought 
this pair of jeans or that, that soft drink or that computer and, uh, and get a score for your own actions and, uh, and be able to kind of engage more deeply on what it is on our scoring methodology uh, through that tool. Uh, and then we're doing a lot of strategic partnerships. We're actually working with the National Wildlife Federation this spring on their campus uh, chill out competition, which is a, 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 a competition that scores different campus activities all over the country. Um, our web traffic has been great. We tried, the site crashed after the first few days. Uh, we had a ton of traffic in the first, uh, the first month. And ever since, we've had about 40,000 unique visits to our site every month with very little, very little marketing. Um, we're getting a lot of new traffic to the site, which I'm really excited about. In January, 76% of our traffic was, was new. So people are finding us and, 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 and um, new folks are getting excited about what we're doing. What, what, what's interesting to me, too, is that I, I know we're, we have short attention spans. We think that we, we can't possibly be bothered with, a, with an environmental decision that takes longer than a minute or 30 seconds to sort of process. But people spend seven minutes on our site <laughs> going through our information and sort of trying to figure out um, uh, what it is that we're, that we're talking about. And then we have a, an email list that's ever, always expanding. Um, so a couple comments on, on what, where, where it is we're going with this. Uh, we want to track and, and continue to show substantive corporate action uh, as a result of our annual scoring. Uh, we really want to guide companies along the pathway. We want them to look at our tool and say, um, uh, wh where can we improve? Where, 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 how can we use this scorecard to, uh, to, to guide us? What's interesting is how th that's manifesting itself in a very exciting way uh, lately, where companies are now looking, looking, at, looking to us and saying, hey, you know, when it comes to environmental impact or climate impact, um, our impact is in the supply chain. How can we use your tool, for example, um, to, to put pressure on our suppliers to meet our own standards, meet our standards on climate, which is phenomenal to me. It's sort of, for me, if I can get companies using our tool and validating our tool and seeing it as something that's really a, that's a really strong way of, of measuring the intent of their suppliers, I can sort of go beyond this idea of one consumer at a time and I can think of sort of one company sort of buying into a, <laughs> buying into a methodology, buying into a scorecard and pushing it out to thousands and thousands of suppliers that can then sort of get me more closer to that issue of scale that I talked about earlier where many, many companies that maybe don't even see the light of day when it comes to consumers. Consumers don't have relationships with many of those suppliers, direct relationships, um, but are still sort of working toward the same ends using our tool. Um, I want us to have a strong enough brand with consumers and companies that all the action around climate counts happens outside of our site. I'd like for companies to to want, be proud enough of their scores that they want to put us on their websites and their materials, on their packaging, uh, so that consumers can see that information in, in, in many, many different ways. And I think in doing that, I think we can add a new values dimension to the marketplace. Um, you know, you all know all these kinds of labels. You've seen these time and time again. Uh, they're not, some of them are certifications, like USDA, USDA organic. Um, Fair trade, you know, has has standards associated with it, but others are simply information. They're information that you need, you're at, you're you want, you're wanting to access when you're when you're out shopping. These companies have recognized that you do care about things like elemental chlorine in your products. You do care about uh, whether a company is whether a product is heart healthy or uh, has whole grain uh, is, is is made of whole grains. And 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 I just I, I show this slide to you just to show you that it it's not just about. Sometimes we we think it's all about how we can get more environmental information into consumers' hands. But consumers are already accustomed, already, already, already attuned to the idea of, 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 of looking at packaging, looking at companies, looking at products, and tracking a whole range of information when they, when they shop. And I think adding climate to that mix uh, is something that, that's time, uh, that, 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 that is, it's, it's time is now. This is an example of a bug that we've developed that you might, you might begin to see on, on websites, I hope you will. Um, that would show, uh, like I was saying, so, uh, be, be al appear alongside of a product um, and help consumers understand uh, where that company stands on the climate standpoint. That's a mock-up of our, of our in-store in uh, retail display where you can uh, see, our, um, see, uh, see some of our branding and, see, uh, see, and grab, a, grab a copy of our pocket guide when you're shopping. Um, in the end, what's going to really motivate consumers. I mean, so far, all these things we've been talking about are about values. This, this, discourse, this discourse with consumers is about values. Um, it's about consumers trying to align themselves with companies that reflect their own personal beliefs and concerns on climate. Uh, it's about corporate 
voluntary corporate action and voluntary consumer behavior. Um, and conscious consumers are increasingly making themselves heard. Um, but it's so interesting that that's happening entirely outside of a, of a needs-based conversation. It's happening entirely outside of a regulatory framework. We think the dynamic of the issue is going to change dramatically when consumers begin to associate climate with needs. Water, food, and health are, are basic human needs that, that most consumers have not yet connected to the issue. But you, you look at the water shortage in, in, in the southeast uh, this time of year, and it's, it's looming large. And I think, uh, I think it's going to change the way we think about this. I keep talking about sort of how the dynamics of this issue change rapidly. I think that's an example of how m many, many people, whether they like it or not, are going to come into this conversation about climate. Uh, and when they do, uh, I think the voices that, the, the voices that we're trying to sort of harness are going to become deafening. Um, and, and, and the reality is these, these needs-based conversations, particularly with water, um, uh, have tremendous obvious risks when it come to, comes to business, particularly those that have uh, manufacturing functions. So this issue is, is, is uh, we're only, uh, I, I try to avoid <laughs> everything that I do with the project. I try very hard to avoid any gloom and doom. Uh, language and aluminum scenarios, but I, I do think it's important to sort of think in these terms because right now we're still in this sort of values-oriented space, um, and it's uh, and it's much less frightening, I think, than the needs conversation. Um, I'd love to talk to any of you at any time. I hope you'll take down my information. I've got a few business cards. I'd be happy to give any of you. I uh, would love to get email from you. I'd love to talk to you at any point and to take any questions. Thanks. Hi, I'm really, oh sorry, Anastasia O'Rourke, I'm a PhD candidate at the Yale Environment School. Um, I'm really curious why you decided to do this as a non-profit instead of a for-profit. Um, it seems to me you could potentially, uh, aside from just being legitimate with companies and stakeholders and all the rest, is there another reason? I mean, you could clearly make a lot of money out of this. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think this comes out of a very strong commitment by Stonyfield Farm, the principal funder of the project, to uh, provide support for advocacy organizations, environmental organizations that were uh, doing good in the world, and that was purely its, uh, purely its intention to kind of get this project started that way. Um, uh, you know, it's a, I think the supply chain conversation, the supply chain piece that I talked about is a good example of how we might uh, find opportunities as sort of a, a 21st century nonprofit organization to to offer some service that, that, that could you know benefit the organization financially in some way um, but I think you know I think the nonprofit aspect allows us uh, kind of a um, uh, it allows us uh, some some freedom it allows us to be somewhat nimble uh, it allows us uh, a lot of flexibility to sort of uh, put, put forth a point of view that that nobody necessarily has any sort of um, control control over besides us. So it's a good question. I, you know, I, I, I don't have a real easy answer, but you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a, I think so many companies are, are, are at this point are really trying to answer all these questions. Um, and, uh, and we could be doing it in a different way for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, my name is Duncan Chung. I'm a student at the Yale Environment School as well. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question about selection. Uh, yeah. First of all, company selection. So some companies decide to not publish their uh, good deeds, if you will, yeah. or, or environmental initiatives, and you have made an effort to uh, exclude those or, or not to uh, count them as, as ones that you would report on. Um, I wonder if that introduces uh, a bias, number one, uh, and two, in terms of picking the population to survey. Uh, it seems like you've picked uh, consumers that tend to be greener, um, uh, and you did not pick companies that tend to be greener or the greenest companies out there. Mm -hmm. uh, you picked the biggest ones. Um, do you think those consumers uh, actively, or, or they, they, when they make their choice of consumption, do you think that they uh, represent uh, a fair uh, consumer sample of those uh, products that the biggest companies mm -hmm. produce, or would they also have a selection bias um, towards smaller companies or local regional companies? That's a good question. Um, uh, you know, there, I, I think um, certainly you're right. I mean, particularly a, a female head of household who it, it tends to be 
tends to be greener than, say, her male counterpart, or it tends to be greener than her mother or father. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, interesting point. At the same time, um, while there's a while, while while there may be a green while, while they may be well represented by a, sort of a, the green consumer profile, uh, there's many many people across the country who also fall into that category who simply don't. So um, I don't know. I, it's a, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I, I think these are these are uh, these are certainly we, we didn't really factor in that whether whether these are the whether these are green consumer segments as much as we did uh, whether they are. Um, Heavy consumer influencers. Um, your uh, your first question about whether we've chosen um, w whether it's fair to, to to score companies that have not disclosed. Um, you know, I feel like the time a company that would would say suggest to me that they they're they're still keeping their cards close to their chest on environmental issues or climate issues. That that time is past. I mean, that time is that's a that's a tenure. That, that's 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when, when, when companies um, uh, could, could sort of get away with that. I think uh, we're, in a, we're in a situation where these issues are, are reaching a crisis point, uh, and consumers do need to hear from companies on what it is they're, what it is they're doing, and they do need to hear from them in sort of credible ways. So um, uh, I think it's a fair position to, to, to score companies, um, to, 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 to give companies, to, to not give companies credit for actions that they, um, Keep close to their chests, particularly when we have, rep have 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 built our project as a as a consumer proxy, as a consumer um, advocate, if you will. I mean, we, we, we want to make sure that uh, consumers have the information that they need to to make those kinds of choices. So it's a uh, it's a fair point, but it's a it's a it's 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 part of what we're trying to it's part of the pressure that we're trying to apply on companies to sort of change the way they communicate. It's about transparency and disclosure, really. Yeah. I would. Um, out of the 22 criteria that you used, were there ones that were very consistent across the board that companies lost points on, or is it kind of all over the place? That's a good question. Um, you know, it, it ranges. It, it is all over the place because, you know, there's certain questions that relate to goal setting. For example, if a company hasn't set a goal, it sort of trickles down. There's a lot of different ways that it loses points in that regard. Uh, if a company hasn't done an inventory, there's a lot of different ways that it can lose points. But that varies drastically depending on where companies sit. I mean, there's different, you know, different companies are just much more sophisticated on different aspects of this than they, than they might be. I think one of the things that really struck me when we scored last last spring, basically, and launched in June, is how different the conversation was about supply chain than it is today. Uh, we have a, there's a, there's a couple questions that look at supply chain preference, supply chain re requirements made of suppliers, uh, and it was just, uh, there's a lot of companies that simply hadn't been doing, weren't, weren't doing anything a year ago that are, I, I think we're beginning to see uh, action on that front. I mean, I think many, many companies, particularly as they've done their inventories, uh, begun to measure their impact or recognizing that, that it's those indirect emissions that are that are everything. So uh, that's that's one that was uh, that we saw a lot of uh, a lot of low scores in that category. Yes, I, I was wondering how good you are at what you're doing or trying to do, meaning how good are you at scoring and ranking companies. <laughs> Because this would involve, you know, measuring certain things you find significant and then attaching weights to those various areas of measurement. I'm sure that's not an easy thing, but it's a very important thing. So my question is, how good are you at what you do? Well, we, we have the benefit of a great, uh, a great uh, strategy firm that helps us, a group called Green Order in New York, um, that helped, uh, that were really spearheaded the development of our, of our scorecard. Uh, and they uh, spent a lot of time looking at the landscape, seeing, uh, looking at other tools that attempted to measure corporate performance on a lot of different fronts. Uh, they looked at a lot of different, um, um, they, they, they looked at a whole range of metrics and sort of narrowed it down to the 22 that you see. Um, they, vetted the, they vetted the scorecard through uh, a number of different academic um, uh, experts on climate, a number of different NGO experts. Um, and uh, we, we got to a point with that, with the support of that technical panel and with their good work, where we felt like we had a tool that we could actually uh, go, to, go to market with it. Um, it's, very, it's very involved, and I would encourage you to go to the website and, and pull, a, pull a copy off. I should have brought copies of it with me. Uh, I think it's very user-friendly in a way because it has the, 
you, you can see the, the criteria itself. You can see the guideposts that we use to score, um, how the weighting, how the weighting uh, gets applied in different cases, uh, and what the, uh, what the ultimate score is compared to what the, what, the, what the most points that a company could score. So I feel, I feel great about Green Order. I would encourage them, I would encourage any of you to, to check them out who don't already know them. Um, I wasn't doing a lot of work on similar fronts with, uh, with the city of Seattle uh, through the U.S. Mayor's Climate Protection Agreement and their work on that effort and, and had, had experience of my own doing this kind of work uh, as well. So it was a good, good coming together of, of my work and their work and kind of getting something moving forward that we felt great, good about. Yeah. yeah I, my name is Varun Agarwal. I'm a research intern at Seaway. And my question is, uh, while going through the list of sectors, as you pointed out the Sorry, energy... I, I, I missed what you just Sorry. said. Sorry. While going through your, the list of sectors that you have analyzed till now, yep. um, I see that no energy company is there. So you have mentioned the reasons for that. But I don't see any finance company either, any finance, finance and insurance company. So often we don't realize that the, uh, these companies have... Uh, like, for example, air travel and paper usage, they have huge emissions. Yep. So, and there are good global examples of financial concerns as well. So, Absolutely. I think I mentioned to you that our rescores of these companies um, that you see on the scorecard today come out next month. Uh, so we'll see where these companies have made progress or not. And then we'll, we're beginning another round of scoring <coughs> in the next month. Um, that will 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 we'll launch in the fall, and I think some of those sectors that you just mentioned will <laughs> you can you can see some of them in that in that group. It's all good points. Thank you. Uh, for those who are interested, we've got a little reception back here. Come join us for a glass of wine and a little uh, cheese. And uh, we welcome the conversation to continue on a more individual basis. So thank you again all for coming. <laughs>